What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their hearts remain unbroken. I added the hard thing. I don't think Blake usually says that, but he's not here. We upgraded. <laughs> so we've got Mr. Hunter. We've got Mr. Jaime. We've got all of the Space Wolves in one spot. Yes. With people what, not what playing. Council, and we're not even talking about. I would say we're not going to be playing any wolves whatsoever. I'm going to get thrown into the bus for this one. <laughs> we are here to chat with an elite player that has lost one or two games in a major event, maybe even a minor event. If it's some list I want to talk about, let's be honest. I just like to talk. And we are going to talk about what they could have, should have, would have done, and what they're going to do in the future. How it goes, boys? How's it going? Man, it's good, man. Good to be back. Excited to be here. Loving life, living long. We are going to be talking about Warzone Atlanta and a hot nid-on-nid matchup versus Mr. Paris and Mr. Lennon. Which, which now that we're on the show, we know how it went, but we're going to talk about the whys and the what, what could have. Set me up a little bit. This is Warzone Atlanta. It's got its own type of terrain set up. Oh, Tell yeah. me a bit about the... the the tournament itself oh yeah so wars in atlanta one of the best tournaments around um cheeky plug in there it's a high-end tournament because they serve you food on both days which is unheard of in most tournaments so it's uh it's pretty nice and then the special thing about warzone is player place terrain slightly different to the way flg does it at warzone you get to place terrain anywhere on the table after the first drop so this was actually new this year before it was only um it was before you didn't know what table half you were going to have you place terrain around the table and then you roll off to pick a side this year you know what table half you're playing on and then you place terrain and then the first piece has to be wholly within your table half and then you can start messing with your opponents so it made it makes for very interesting tables it's a it's another layer of tactical decisions do you mess with the opponent's side do you prioritize making your objective safe so it's a, it's a mini game within the game and i think all of us enjoy player place terrain to some extent some more than others some people don't like it but i, I do love it <laughs> it is a game in and of itself well yeah. you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna ask the question i've asked it before if you guys were going to list your favorite terrain sets like basically player place gw uktc wtc what would you rate what would you rate them in order uh, i'll start with Oof. so for <laughs> Am I playing nids or am I playing wolves? Because with wolves, it's GW terrain. <laughs> that is, GW is the the melee army's dream. Completely. No doubt. Um, no for doubt. nids, I'd say WTC, just because it's a lot of ruins at weird angles where if you move fast, you can get into those nice safe pockets. Warzone terrain, there's you can make a couple really safe spots, but aside from that, it gets pretty brutal in the midfield. Unless you prioritize the midfield, then your deployment zone is pretty open. So you have there's a lot of sacrifices, a lot of pros and cons that you have to weigh as you're placing the terrain. But I like player place terrain. It's just it's a lot of fun. Um, just, it makes really interesting boards. Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback off that. I, I I really enjoy player place terrain 
uh, I haven't had, I haven't tried the new Warzone format where you can mess with your opponent's side. And I, I think I kind of like that because I like the game within the game. That that yeah. first step, whether you get a shooting or a melee arm, you can kind of build a path for success. Uh, I, I don't like stagman, so I would say WTC is probably on the low end, just because I have and I have less experience with that as well. Yeah. It does have eight different tables, which is nice. Yeah. GW is the the most. I mean, once you're there, it's just that's what it is. They did add Type Three. I have to give them. I haven't. I haven't seen Type Three. What's Type Three? It's basically like a diamond. Oh. And and as usual, even though like this is an audio only podcast, I'm still using hand motions for everybody, which is fantastic because I'm an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, it's that. (laughs) Type Three. It's funny because well, I say this because we've talked about this quite a bit in that your tournament preparation literally does start with what am I going to be playing Completely. on? Completely. So with that being said, see, like the see how I smoothly segued into that. What changes what what changes did you make in your list to go into because of the fact you're playing on the Warzone Atlanta table and you may or may not be playing on something that only has terrain in half of your your area. So here's the problem. The answer would be, oh, I practice on the terrain. I tried different lists. I saw what units work and don't work. I've been doing my masters, so I haven't been playing games. I played a couple of games up here in Boston, um, but that's GW terrain. And I was playing Leviathan for WTC. And then Leviathan got nerfed. So I went around asking for nid lists. so um i went to yoku and he gave me his nid list and that's why i ran for warzone i didn't change it i didn't mess with it i was like hey what do i play he gave me the list that's why well tell me tell me about this list then so this list is a single battalion kraken and you keep the trait for the advancing d3 plus three because it's super super good it's a tyrant with a bitter axe surprise surprise and yeah what a surprise and a neurothrope then you have three squads of three warriors with a venom cannon in each, no adrenal glands, no no flesh hooks. He actually put a flesh hook in for WTC. I put the toxin sacks on the flyrant just because he can only do three mortals now. So with five, six attacks, like I want him to auto wound with some of them just so the rerolls on the wound roll are more efficient. And then that's the troops. Elite, we have two squads of zones for smites because they're super good. There's Tyrant Guard for the Tyrant, and I think that's it for my elites. Indeed it is. And then on fast attacks, I've got two squads of four Raveners and one squad of eight Raveners, all with Death Spitters, all with Random Cores for that sweet, sweet AP5. And then two Harpies, both with Heavy Venom Cannons, one with Synapse. And that's, that's the list. Nice. Would you say that the uh, the terrain, because now that you've been at this, would you say it favored melee or would you favored shooting or did it kind of, you know, kind of a, a good mix? So Warzone favors fast armies, mm-hmm. shooting or melee. If you move 10, 12 inches and you shoot, great. Tau, one of those crisis bombs all advancing their eight inches, gets an angle, shoots the crap out of you. Kraken with Raveners, you can, you can place your three scarce terrain and advance from one run to another and turn one turn two and then charge turn three so if you're fast it's great if you're slow it hurts i'd say that's a lot though man that that's this mobility is such a big deal in the in the game right now so and no matter what you're playing on yeah. let's talk about john zombie real quick I'll list it down mm-hmm. so we had i mean you're gonna be shocked he had 
a Reaper Obliterax Tyrant. No. <laughs> a Neuro. He had two units of Zoe's. He actually had the second Hive Tyrant with the Maw Claws. He had two units of Tyrant Guards so he could hide those bad boys after they get done doing backflips with Overrun, which is still needs to be core locked. People, high five, people can send me a GoFundMe to get that tra- changed. <laughs> uh, unit of Gargoyles, unit of Venomthropes, two units of five Raveners, a unit of Biovores, and one unit of four Tyrant warrior, Warriors. And then instead of Death Leaper, I'm pretty sure he had just shenanigans. Or sorry, instead of the Parasite, he took Death Leaper yeah. just to play around with it. Yeah, still with Alien Cunning. Dude, that that Death Leaper's just got some shenanigans, man. I he's scary on that. Like it's funny because like I go back and forth. I I I'm cheap, so the Parasite makes it into my list more. Yeah. But Death Leaper is the fact that you're like, oh yeah, interrupts actually a stratagem. I can't do that if he's next to me. It's pretty crazy. It's the equivalent to a fight last if they don't have fight first. Yeah. It's a big deal on this. Yeah. So give me a little bit about the mission, What's what uh, secondaries you guys took, and sure. what you thought about going into the mission itself. Absolutely. And I'll talk about the player place because that's the thing that happened as well. So mission, it was one of the quadrants. I don't remember exactly which one. We didn't move objectives. We didn't declare priority objective. I don't remember what the bonus was. It's neither death and zeal or conversion. They're the same. <laughs> it was it was points for like taking objectives in the center, basically, like a, whichever one that is. I, so I definitely see that y'all's score was like low. It was a low scoring game. So yeah. So I'll explain them why in a second. So quadrant deployment. Javi's <laughs> like, it's very low because he's like, he got a little ahead and I just went to the bathroom. It didn't come back. It's my new strategy. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, the pr- mission wise, we both picked banners. We both, I picked ritual. He picked interrogates. And then we both took no prisoners because he gives up like 16 points of no prisoners. And I give up 14 points of no prisoners. So identical secondaries pretty much. Except interrogation and warp ritual, huge difference. And you'll see why in the game. So we deploy terrain. I place the first ruin and I make the, the center objective somewhere where I can hold it with within the terrain. Uh, he places his ruin in his in his home objective and he sets it up so that he can place a second ruin and create a super safe like bubble castle in the backfield. So you can just have two squads of Tyrant Guard, two Tyrants on two different ruins overrunning back and forth. I proceed to place a crater right next to his ruin, completely opening up his entire table half. Like, because these these crates are like hand gestures for people listening. Huge, <laughs> huge craters. Like, oh, great. Like, I've got him. Now he can't hide anything. And like, now both Tyrant and Tyrant Guard have to be on the same side. He loses a ton of board control. I was super happy with the placement. So mm-hmm. we finished deploying the terrain. I'm like, super happy. I've won this rain placement. And then we start playing. We declare secondaries, and he goes first, moves up, sets up, and then that's when it starts snowballing. And I think there's a lot for part two of like little decisions that he makes that I feel like I was keeping track while he was doing them and then not really understanding the consequences late game of the little things he was doing. So part two is, especially with the gargoyles, you said you had two gargoyle squads in your list. Man, there's so many things you can do with those. It gets It gets really, really nasty. I love you know you know I love me some trash so <laughs> yeah. those gargoyles man we throw you off 
So who went first, who went second? And also, so you you feel pretty optimistic now. You thought you got him in the terrain placement. Yeah. How did you think you were like, what was your game plan with this? Now that you've got that open area, what yeah. are you thinking as far as what, what you're doing? So going in, I've got two harpies with heavy venom cannons. Those are four damage each. So that means biovores, raveners, warriors, three minus one damage. They're all dying unless they have catalyst to every single failed save. So I feel like harpies are a huge advantage in the mirror. Then he has two squads of five raveners, and I've got 16 raveners. So I've got a ravener advantage. I've got more board presence. I've got three squads of three warriors, and warriors are hard to kill, right? Like those, they're, they're really good troops. And the only way he's going to kill them is by dedicating two, three, four smites to go through nine wounds and then charging. He's got no shooting. And, and then I've got Venom Cannon so I can chip at range. So I've, I feel like I had a list advantage. The second Tyrant is cool, but like as soon as it whiffs, like it all goes downstream. So I thought I had a list advantage going in. My game plan was to keep the Harpies alive because every turn of the shooting is two dead Raveners every single turn. Um, and then the Tyrant, just wait for him to make a mistake. He had the Venoms, which makes my shooting is a little worse. But I've got, I've got so many shots with rerolls, direct guidance, reroll wants to hit. So my Raveners are shooting pretty well. They have Death Spitters, right? So that big squad is like, what? what's eight times three? 20, uh, four shots. Um, a ton, a ton of shots. So I thought I thought I had the list advantage. And then he went first, which is good for me because that means I've got control of the primary on the bottom. He moves up. In, and then with Tyranid Mirror, you have to declare the imperatives. At the same time. So he writes down his, I say mine, then he shows me his. Turn one, he declared the five up in Vaughn because he had to come out. I didn't declare any imperative because like he, he's not going to do any damage to me turn one because I've set up pretty defensively. Um, and all he does is he sends a Tyrant in, the Maws guy, kills a squad of warriors. I did minus one damage because now he needs two hits. Two, kill one guy. Two hits to kill one guy and he's got six attacks. I'm like, as soon as you reroll a one into a one, you're dead. Mm-hmm. On six dice, rolling one into one, it's not great odds, but it's like, this throws the game off completely if he fails. Yeah. But he didn't. He made um, all my work. <laughs> so I lost the squad of Warriors. Overruns back. And that's pretty much all he did turn one. And on my turn one, he had set up the gargoyles off the objective, but within range, where in his next command phase, if I don't kill the whole unit, he can just like grow back D3 plus three gargoyles onto the objective. I'm like, mm, I see what you're doing. Let's kill the gargoyles. Being an idiot, I start split firing everywhere. Oh, I'm like, I can kill one Ravener here. Great. It all goes wrong. I leave two gargoyles alive. And he goes, oh, D3 plus three, string them onto the objective, 12 primary. I'm like, Damn. Sad times. Really sad time. It should be just a clinic called Do Not Split Fire. Not split. Just an hour of My, my favorite thing about this is, is you went, I see what he's going to do. I better make sure he's able to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let me help him. Because <laughs> he's got, he's, these are gargoyles with minus one to be hit from the Venom Throws, minus one because he put them into a forest, and then five up in one. Like they're not, it's 10 wounds. It's not, you need a decent amount of stuff to kill him. So I was an idiot. And then, to add a little more salt to the wounds, both my harpies with heavy venom cannons shot his biovores. I killed hand gesture zero. I, now I need to know about this play. a little bit. That's 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 a boss mode play on not killing any biovores. He made four out of four, five up in wounds. Nice. But was it five or four? I think it was. You four. didn't. You, you didn't plan for that. I did not plan for it. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Clearly, he's going to make those. Yeah, that was my yeah. Plan. 
So, uh, you know, because those spore mines, like those spores add up over turns and like I can have catalyst, I can have my phenopane from my nerf against mortals, but eventually that adds up. It's an extra body dead every turn. And it's it's a huge advantage if I can kill him turn one. And I failed. I just didn't kill him. I was like, crap. All right. Damn. Before we go any farther, and because I got snagged by this from Steve Jewell last time, even yeah. though he was on a different continent, over the course of the weekend, what would you say was your MVP and who's in the chopping block? Over the whole course, over all what, seven games, yeah. the harpies for both Ooh. MVP and chopping oh. You know what? Hold on. Let me polish this off. Get on your podium and explain to me. Give class. Dr. Dr. Pass, tell me what's going on here. The biggest how loser. On, how are they the biggest MVP and on the chopping block at the same time? Those harpies, man. Just 200 points a pop, six shots of damage four each. Hitting on threes, winning most things on threes. It's just, it's so good and so bad because they fly over and they do mortals. And you can put them into hover and charge. And like they're, yeah, they're T7, but for a turn, they'll have a four up in one. So like they're kind of swingy to kill. And then they do nothing. And then they win me games. It's like against Brenton on Tau, they killed Longstrike turn one through a forest. I was like, yeah, like, oh my God. Like, look at that. He just lost like the one thing he was banking on to like table me in one turn. Great. And against John, they didn't kill a single buyer war. And against, um, Against Nick, they auto win me the matchup, and I still lost the matchup with two harpies in the list. Like it's, I, I love everything about it because if you could just see Jaime right now, this is fantastic. You look like you're explaining this bad girlfriend that you keep going back with. <laughs> She's like, look, man, she only she only set my closet on fire once. <laughs> She's, I swear, she's changed. I swear, uh, you know. It's good when it's good, man. But when it's bad, it's bad. I hear you. I don't know what to say, man. It's just those harpies. I pull them out out of every single list, and then I put them back in. Just because oh, I feel with like Kraken and Ravener spam, you struggle against T7, T8, because most of your army is strength six. So having those big shots is great until you hit on fours because of a forest, and you wound on threes, and then you go into a four or five up in one, because everything in the game has a four or five up in one now. Would you say that the harpies, and this may be worded in a weird way, they may just be giving you an easy advantage, you know, an easy mode. But when you get to the top tables, they don't, you know what I mean? When, they, when you get to the elite, the people that know how to play against them, do you think they're now more bringing you down than? Uh, so like, are they are they a win more condition basically? Like yeah, that's, pretty, that's a great way to play because they get you there, but they're not sealing the deal at that point in time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, maybe. Four hundred points. Four hundred points. You can put a lot of tyrannous stuff in there, man. But then I want to put biovores in their place, and like biovores also feel like a win more condition. Oh, biovores! You take that back. I'll spray you in the face with the water. I'll get the I couch was first to put biovores into lists. Thank you very much. And then everyone told me no, they're not worth it. Oh my god, do this. I was the first. Thanks, it might, we're going to get people picketing in front of your house saying that they'll, they'll win more. The spores might be the single most annoying thing in the army where you just put it in front of people and just go, they're super, enjoy. I get it. They're super, super annoying. But they don't really help against Tau. <laughs> Tau feels like the hardest matchup for Kraken. 
A little bit, though, because they still can't land on them. You know what I mean? So it still move blocks you some. You get better angles, basically. So sure. if somebody moves forward, I love that everyone here is talking with their hands. If they, someone moves forward, they a lot of times you can get, because even though you can land you know, right next to them, you can't actually land on them. So That's if you true. layer them slightly, you usually get a few extra, even though they can fly. Yep. You get you cut a few inch to inches off their move. And a lot of times that's all you need because they can't get the angle anymore. Yeah. And either that or they have to go just super far. Yeah. And also it makes me happy yeah. that they blow up when planes fly over them. And and most armies no longer have those chump units to like sacrifice against spore mines. Like there's no you don't see speeders anymore because Marines are dead. Uh, even Tau, crew hounds and crew, they're taking the bare minimum. You don't see triple crew hound, triple crew anymore. Um, a cyber wolf detonating all the spore mines. Um, but do you, so with Bivores, do you have to then also put in a spore assist? Like, is is three d three, which you can roll like three or four spore mines like more often than you like think. Like it's. But then the auto six. I like the spore assist quite a bit. Do you double up on spore mines? You start spamming them like. You can spam. The thing is, is that you see a lot of, and what I I've been doing a lot lately is I'll load the middle up with spore mines especially if you have a place to hide them a little bit because you've yep. got 18 off the spore assist and then you've got you know forever off the the biovores and if your opponent can't deal with them and you have like two turns so halfway decent spore mines it means you got 12 plus 63 you know what i mean yeah. so you can just yeah. make this massive spore mines so you're just sitting doing warp ritual taking yeah. the middle objective and your opponent goes especially if they're a melee army you're just like hey man there's a good chance you're taking like 20 some d d3 if you roll high you know what i mean that's yeah. something they have to worry about you're like i've got a layer multiple mm -hmm. layers basically yeah you know what we like give you a tool that's just so I've got, annoying I've got, no I've army's like yes yeah, spore mines again spree it's free stuff yeah it's 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 wild now what i learned with the game with uh, with john was that spore mines have to detonate that's the way it was ruled at warzone i don't know how it's going to be ruled at, ruled at lvo I'm going to see with that because the, in the ruling in the book, it's can. It's right. basically so you have to wait until effectively the end of the move phase, which means you can't just run something up, have them all blow up, and then everybody else gets to walk past. By the book, oh. it's can. So you can literally wait by, by the it, rule, by, just at, by the raw. But it's, it's by raw, it's two separate sentences. It says when a unit comes with an interest, you may choose to detonate, full stop, this unit is destroyed. It's two different clauses. It's yeah. not a comma. Oh yeah, anything. So it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, it's Are great. you trying to say that GW wrote, wrote a rule that doesn't have clear verbiage in it? I fail to believe this happened. That's there's no I way. Know, I know. But the way it was for me. Yeah, I don't know. It was. Just, I don't see rules. But it's the way it was on the, how they worst because they either become almost oppressive to either become fairly easily easy to blow up. Yeah. And I played two back-to-back -back, uh, tournaments, uh, RTT and a GT, where they ran at different both times. And it actually affects how you play uh, quite a bit. Completely. Absolutely. And what happened with my game in, with John was I had some spore mines as well for my harpies. And he placed some spore mines from his biovores. And I just advanced my spore mines into his. And we just detonated on each other. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really, really funny. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. I love everything about that. Yeah. So going back in it, you, so what did you think was the? We, we got to continue. We haven't, we haven't even talked about the entire game. We got to like turn one. 
And then we started talking about spore mines, which I'm totally cool with. <laughs> turn one, I feel to kill Biovores. On his on his turn two, he he just he does some more damage. He kills some more raveners. He kills a couple more warriors with a couple smites. He gets a smite into my tyrant, and that's pretty much it. On my turn two, um, I'm forced to send my big brick of raveners into his small unit of raveners. And raveners into raveners suck. Like an eight-man ravener will kill like three raveners. Ooh. Like it's with through catalyst and minus one three cat. And you're wounding on three. So you hit on three, wound on three body. no pain, four wounds each. It's before you before you get going too far. So the start of your turn, you're already down. Warriors and a thing of ravengers and a sm- and he's smited something. Is that what so you said? After, so on turn one, I lost three warriors. On turn two, I lost three more warriors. And we're also down four on primary because of not getting the yeah. girls. Yeah. So you're you're kind of getting a little bit like you're back against the wall. You feel like your back was a little like against was, the wall. Only turn one. Um, I didn't feel like I was being too oppressed. I, the harpies were still intact. He couldn't interact with the harpies. I still had really good positioning. I thought I was good. I still had I had to pop my imperative, my five up in one imperative to mitigate his damage. He went for the plus one to cast, plus one to deny. And the problem was he was already getting points on interrogate because I couldn't deny it. And I wasn't scoring ritual yet. So it turns out in the mirror, interrogate is far better because you score points early. And if things go wrong, you at least have six, nine points. I was waiting till turns three, four, five to do damage and then do ritual, which was awesome. Which is risky, too, because you have to set something in the middle, which means you have to effectively put two things in the middle because you need a blocker and yeah. the character. And I've only I've only oh. got, I've got the Neurothrope and the Tyrant. I used to run two Neurothropes. One is the guy that goes to the center and does ritual. The other guy stays in the back doing catalysts and onslaughts. Because my Tyrant, my wing Tyrant needs to go do damage, it means I lose catalyst and I lose onslaughts if I want to do ritual. No, and you're only getting little spread. Your resources are getting... Yeah. Completely so threat. yeah, with with two characters, ritual's not viable. Um, I should have done interrogates like John took. Yeah, but yeah, turn two, I've lost some resources. Turn three, he does a full push to the middle, puts six tyrant guard and death leaper in the center. I try to go in. I make some mistakes. I kill a tyrant guard model that I shouldn't have, meaning my tyrant can't activate, so he can't overrun away. I tag a couple of his things. My 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 harpy goes into hover mode, charges his biovores, and then the other harpy fails to kill some venom throws, so he keeps another objective, getting another four points on primary. Like it was a couple of things, a ton of like mistakes and decisions on my side, um, just snowballing with like little dice mistakes, also going against my favor like one venom throw surviving is all he needs because they're they're fearless and then he just advances it onto an objective he removes one of my banners it's um every model that survives in the mirror hurts a ton like you have to start killing units and i left a lot of single models alive one warrior one venom throw one ravener so it's a big deal on that because a small amount of points especially when you're playing a mirror like that because the game literally gets very dicey as far as who's up and the thing is is also you were forced to commit and i say that a ton 
Playing ninth edition 40k, being behind is not where you want to be. It has to be even or slightly ahead because your opponent basically just makes the the old the Bugs Bunny X on the ground with the safe hanging over your head, but there's nothing you can do about it because you have to now take away one of his objectives to exactly. to continue. Exactly. After turn two, he had an eight-point primary lead, and at that point, I had to play into his game. I went in having the advantage. I made a couple of mistakes that gave him the lead, and then we start playing his game, and he plays a control game. I was playing an aggro game. So we ended up with a, a it was still a close game. Yes, because we didn't finish it. Uh-oh. We stopped turn four, and in turn five, he was going to score quite a lot of points, and I was only going to score four primary. So WTC, I think, would have been a 13-7 to him. Something like it's that. Still maybe a little game. It was a 15, 15, 20 point game. I'm going to throw this out here. Singles games, singles matches, or just singles events. What do you guys think about our current scoring situation versus differential scoring? You can go first here. I think for a singles event, man, it's got to be all or nothing. Like it's, uh, you know, in a team event, I get the differential, but like for singles, for like for you to get an overall champion you know what i mean like an overall winner you you need the point you got to have some way of measurement uh, of points because uh i'm i'm terrible at math but like when you win in a differential event and it's a a, a 10 set or a, a 12 uh 12 8 or something like that basically an there's 11 a difference between yeah it's like there's a difference between like it, it gets grouped together versus like if it comes down to who's the winner it's like well i had a 12-8, and Brad had a 12-8, but really, if you did the points, he had a 12-point win to my 11. Yeah, there's got to be some way to... I get you on that. To define... My, my, my only thing about that is, is that, and this is why I put it out there a lot, is when you get to a certain point in the game, it doesn't matter anymore because I'm not going to push. Like, if you're, you and I are playing and you get ahead, I no longer mm-hmm. care, or you no longer care, basically, what I score because you got your 100 or whatever. All you have to worry about is that. So you're never, so we're playing five objectives. Yeah. You just sit on your two objectives and you go, I just don't care what you do anymore because you got to that point where I no longer can come back. So you know, we just don't even play the last two turns basically or whatever. You just don't go back and contest. We play yeah. two non interactive turns because you don't have any reason to stop me from scoring any points. That's yeah. that's my thing. I'll go. I, I jumped over. Honey, what do you think? No, I'm 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 100% with you. It's the differentials forces you to consider your point, your opponent's points, and that doesn't happen in single events. Like as you said, you can win 100 to 95 every single one of your games. Doesn't matter. And then winning a game by one point on a single swing in differentials, it's a draw, right? Yeah. So I don't like one point wins being a draw at single events because sometimes you'll get really hard games and like if you win by one point at singles that's a win at, at team events and wgc whatever like a draw great whatever like you you're keeping it so tight that there isn't a winner but i like the fact that like you can't just score a bunch of hundreds your opponent score 95s and suddenly you're top of the leaderboard but i also don't like that you suddenly like Making really cool play that gives that gets you the win by one point isn't rewarded with a full win. So I like things from both. Um, it's just I, I would, like the fact would, Brad said that you have to deny points to get out to get a differential. Honestly, I I would say that my favorite would be like a strength of schedule scoring. Yeah, 
like win strength of schedule. I think if you run the gauntlet, if I yeah. go to a tournament and I beat Brad, Jaime, Nick, uh, you know, just I run through the art of war gauntlet and somehow I'm you, five and zero, oh, but then someone else goes five and zero oh, and they got yeah. more points than me. Yeah, they, it's a, like I think I ran the gauntlet, man. Like, yeah. you know, and, I'm and a, then we rock paper scissors. I was just say I'm going to double that up though. With what are your thoughts on? Uh, when people come from behind, like you got two guys that are five and one, but one guy lost his first game or something. So he plays and then you end up with, I guess, strength of schedule would go completely on that. So it made me think of it. So strength yeah. of schedule, once you like, even if you lose your first game, you start playing against weaker players, people in the same who also lost games. Eventually you've won so many games that you're also back up. To whether strength of schedule again to pair it into good players. So that comes down to how pairings are done. And the way Warzone did it was you get paired randomly within win pool. So it doesn't matter when you lost the game, you get paired against players with the same performance. And then strength of schedule is for the ranking. Which those poor people, uh, when Naden decided he only was going to show up for Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> just can't do, just just elbow drop and new players. <laughs> it's like, man, I had a tough day on day one. I guess today I'll be a little bit easier. Nope. Sean walks in. Hey yeah. guys, I also have zero wins. <laughs> and he did it, and he did it with a gorgeous army. He came up with his orcs, and there was his non-metallic metal was incredible. So he shows up, destroys people, but look how pretty my minis are. Like, my other thing is I'm going to get your guys' opinion before we go into the Bradnick because I need to talk about plays you could have, should have done. Yeah. Is what are your thoughts on locking in the, the top, either top two or top four going in? Because it's something that really is, it's it's sad to see sometimes. You see, you know, I've got a ton of friends that do really well. And you, you go into that finals and you lose that final game. And then you drop like six spots down. You know what I mean? Because you had a really low scoring game and a bunch of people leapfrog you, even though you had a great tournament, but maybe you had a, a very tough game in the finals. So that's what strength of schedule does, right? Like if you've gone to the final top two tables, you've won all your games, you've got one late loss or no losses. I would agree. Like if you've made that far, you shouldn't be jumped. Like, what do you think about that, Hunter? Yeah. One, yeah. Like once you've climbed that ladder and you've got, I, I don't know when the cutoff should be. But there's if you're playing the top table, man, it's me versus Richard Siegler, you know, winner take all. The loser of that match is number two. Like there's no reason for the whoever lose that match to drop top out of top ten or whatever it is. Versus someone that you know, it's respectable to climb, you know, win your second bracket or win your, you know, do as good as you can. But I think once you make whatever the cut is, I don't know where you make the cut, but yeah, to punish so, someone for you know the strength of schedule. Playing harder opponent for that on the final two rounds. Say again. Would you do like a Swiss pairing for the final two rounds, like a uh, a seated? I like that. I actually like brackets quite a yeah. bit because yeah. I also like the fact that you can. I there's I'm torn on it because if you're if you do like a 16 bracket or an eight or whatever you do, if you do that, the the person that's just got caught off can't do any better. You yeah. know, he, he can literally just maintain status quo. But for the rest of the tournament, it's like having two tournaments. And I really like that. You're like, hey, you know, I lost a game. I lost two games. I lost, whatever you lost. You know what I mean? You're now in bracket, whatever. Mm -hmm. You now have another chance to now win your bracket. Yeah. It's like another tournament. Yeah. And I like that because I don't, I hate when you see a decent amount of drops and not having a lot of people at, at uh, the award ceremony. I just, I want to see everybody involved. 
I'm a man of the people. I want to see more people out there. And and another plugin for Warzone, they do a great job. Like on day two, you get put into battle groups, which are people with the same performance as you. And then there's like an internal like competition against those people in the battle group. And whoever performs the best on the second day, you don't necessarily play the people in the battle group, but whoever has the best performance, there's like prizes for each battle group. So they give out like 20, 30 prizes. I like that a, a, a ton because yeah. I like giving out more prizes. The thing is, is at the top, people are looking for a pat on the back, a plaque, a trophy, a, a sword, you're, you're whatever the thing you got. I really think that we need to give more prize support in the middle, in the middle, the bottom, whatever, whatever. Make people have a reason to play all seven games, all five, six, seven, whatever it is they were playing. Trying. Keep, yeah. Yeah. Boy, it's just you get you know what I mean. They yeah, can win something. People are so excited to just win something. They get their name mentioned. It's nice, right? It's good for the game. It's good mentally for everyone. It's winning is always fun, right? Like and you know, I, I think we can, and you know, kind of give another plug to Warzone Atlanta. I know when I went last year, I didn't go this year, sadly, but they had all types of cool like competitions and um, like kill counts and yeah. call out yeah. that you could go for. Like it was like, look, even if you were losing. Like you just you weren't gonna place or something, but yeah. if you did this like cool thing in a game, you could still get a prize. Completely, it's like make a twelve like inch charge. Here's a new set of dice. Like yeah. it, it was, it was they. The, those are called bounties. They put a lot of work into those. Those get get prepped. The prize support has to be awesome. or beforehand. They get tracked. It's it's a chaos really to like really implement that. But like they do it so well. There was a really fun one this year where it was. Imperial player, Imperial Knight players who lost the most knights. Whoever had most knights killed over seven games, they got like three new armor girls. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I just I, I do love stuff like that though. But it keeps people there. There was it's one such a big last deal. year. It was awesome. It was like youngling slayer. It was like whoever beat the youngest opponent first. Yeah. Got a lightsaber or something. It was awesome. I, th- it was like- I was getting so much shit for this. So at uh, last year's, last year, whatever, I don't know. Time goes together for me. Uh, uh, GW New Orleans. New Orleans. And I'm sitting here oh, and everybody yeah. keeps coming up talking all trash to me because it's the youngest and the oldest person in the entire tournament playing each other. And of course, I was the oldest person. Yeah. <laughs> and I just come up and like, we just want to see what this game looks like. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's rock it out we're gonna end part one and we're gonna go into the brad thing so all that stuff that blake says at the end go watch the art of war unbroken with the latent gate great adam camieri go watch nick and the art of war vanilla but of course what you should be listening to week in and week out is the art of war unbroken the pistachio of podcasts everyone we'll see you soon like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. <laughs>